that sun. Buenas tardes. It's good to be back with my church familia. I've been gone for a month-long sabbatical. For those of you who maybe did not know or don't get our newsletters, you may not know that I was not here, and that's fine if you didn't notice. <laughs> uh, but it was a much-needed sabbatical. In 22 years of ministry, this is the first time that I've taken a sabbatical. And so people said, what? The first time? I, I said, yes. I've never been in a position of leadership or power as a woman or woman of color to qualify for a sabbatical. And so I want to thank my community and my church familia for allowing me to just be gone and for all the leadership and all the volunteers who kept things going. That's a good sign that a pastor is not needed, that the community can keep going without a leader. That's one way to decenter us as clergy. And so thank you for those of you who were holding the ropes um, and being in the trenches. And I'm happy to be back here again. Uh, last week, Nicola gave a faithful and real sermon on Psalm 133. I wasn't here, but I was watching y'all. Mm -hmm. I see, I see where you were. I know where y'all sit. And Nicola was preaching on Psalm 133, a song of ascent. And I was grateful for her honest wit with which she shared with us her lived realities and challenges of finding community in church and outside of the church, sometimes finding better community outside of the church than in the church. I was moved by the beautiful imagery of Psalm 133, the snow-capped Mount Hermon, and how that melted snow would come down into the desert, and that rain and moisture um, was uh, like an analogy, at least that's how I saw it, of the unity of believers, unity that relieves what she says, the painful cracks among people. She pastorally challenged us in our efforts to be independent. She self-proclaimed that she's a recovering isolationist. Uh, she challenged us because she said, I wanted to love people without needing them. We made her repeat that because that was a good ouch word, a good ouch word. And she said, we lose our humanity when we lose sight of community. I was very thankful for that word that was deposited last week and thankful that our community received that word. Today, I want to jump into the parable of the sower in Mark chapter 4, verses 1 through 20. I'm only going to read verses 1 through 10, and I'm going to leave you hanging because I can, and also because uh, Mark does. He ends his, uh, his gospel with like, and they were afraid, and that's it, and it just leaves you hanging. So I'm going to do the same. So if you're bothered that I'm not reading 20 verses, you're going to be okay. You're going to be okay. So that's where we're going to jump in, Mark chapter 4, verses 1 through 20. That's the whole context. But I'm only going to sit with the first 10 verses. And we're going to walk together the rest of the way in a very dynamic and open and inclusive story that includes your story. I want to say that I've also never done this before. But I am co-creating this sermon with my fellow pastor and former colleague at Fuller Seminary, the Reverend Dr. Kevin Doy. I just, I just call him Rev Kev. He preached this sermon last year at Fuller Chapel, and I attended it, and it transformed me. And I've been thinking about it ever since then, and I asked his permission to grab his main points and run with them and add some things of my own because I believe this is a formative word for our church familia. I have never done this before, so it's not like I'm going to regurgitate his sermon. I just want to clarify, but it is so good. I thought, our people need to hear it. It's a sermon for me first, and I hope 
that it will be a faithful word for you as well. So I want to honor him with that, and he knows, and I don't know if he's going to be listening to it later, uh, but I want to thank um, uh, my friend Kevin for allowing me to just co-create with him, even, uh, even so, um, in a dynamic way, because the spirit, she's always midwifing the work of God over and over again, and that's my hope for today. So let me read from Mark chapter 4, verses 1 through 10. I think Patrick is going to show the verses up there. Mark chapter 4, verses 1 through 10. Again, Jesus began to teach beside the sea. Such a very large crowd gathered around him that he got into a boat on the sea and sat there while the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land. He began to teach them many things in parables, which means stories, and in his teaching he said to them, listen, a sower went out to sow, and as he sowed, some seed fell on the path, and the birds came up and ate it up. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and it sprang up quickly since it had no depth of soil. And when the sun rose, it was scorched, and since it had no root, it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. Other seed fell into good soil and brought forth grain, growing up and increasing and yielding 30 and 60 and 100 fold. And he said, let anyone with ears to hear listen. Verse 10, when he was alone, those who were around him along with the 12, which other versions say uh, Jesus' followers along with the 12, asked him about the parables. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. And I will go back to some of those verses later to kind of synthesize what is happening. But as we look at these main verses in verses 1 through 9, Patrick, you can leave the the first chunk there so that we can look at it and soak into those words. I want to remind us all that this is a story within a story within other stories. And I love the fact that Jesus always spoke in parables, which just means stories. And many a time, he didn't give the answers. He just threw the story out there and then you had to figure it out. And he used storytelling as a way for us to understand real lives of real people with real problems in real places and real situations. Jesus is on a boat, and he is away from but near enough to a large crowd. The word is seated here in the most ordinary of places, a boat, a sea, a community of listeners. And like Jesus likes to do, Reverend Kev said uh, in this story, he tells the story and he walks away. Just leaves us hanging to figure it out. I've heard this story interpreted only one way in the past, and I don't know if you can relate or maybe you have heard it in other ways. But I've always walked away feeling like I'm not doing enough to sow the seeds. Does anyone, did anyone hear it taught that way before? Like you are the sower which many times it becomes dangerous when you, just says, when you just replace yourself in the place of Jesus and you say, well, I'm going to be this good sower. And that's how I've heard it before. Like, I'm not doing enough to sow the seeds. 
That's one way to interpret it. I thought, I'm the one sowing, I'm supposed to be doing it, and the weight of the world is on my shoulders. And if I don't do it, who else is going to do it? Anybody else? Anybody else there? I've judged other people for not doing the sewing. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. I've judged other people for what they're not doing that I think is happening in the story. I've called other people rocky soil, bad soil, and I am the sower. So when I heard this story from Rev Kev, it just blew my mind. He invited us to change our angle of view and sat down and he looked at it from a different place. And as I looked back at the story, I paused on these words. And as we're walking in the story, I want you to look at these words as well. The words in verses 1 through 10 that feel like they're the hard words to receive is what's happening to the soils. There's birds, there's thorns, there's scorching sun, there's rocks, and there's no depth of soil. There's birds that come and steal and kill and destroy and lie and divide, and they take away something. And then there's a scorching sun uh, that when there is no depth of soil and no roots, it just, the sun comes up and then the little plant dies. And then there's thorns uh, that take over the cares of the world, it says, and, and, and the desire for wealth, the love of money, perhaps, it just overpowers the person. And it yields nothing. And there's no depth of soil. And that's one of the things that keeps coming up over and over again. Everybody in this crowd is listening to the story within the story. Jesus is not interpreting it, but just leaves it out there for it to tug at our souls, tug at our hearts. Birds, thorns, scorching sun, rocks, no depth of soil. And then something happens in verse 10, and this is the place where I love where it says that he walks away. You have to imply that he walks away, and then when he is alone with his followers and the 12, so you have to assume there's women and men there, there's female and male apostles, they come and say, what does this mean? What does this mean? I don't understand. And I want to pause and honor the question askers. I want to pause and honor, and honor those who stay, who ask Jesus, what's happening here? I want to pause and honor those who hear an invitation and want more. As I'm looking at this story, um, I realize that I've always just not known about the rocks and, and the birds and, and, the, and the thorns, and I feel guilty about it. But these are just elements and things that have happened to the soil. That have happened to the soil, and the soil is a recipient of these elements and those actions. These are things that have happened perhaps to you and to us that you have no control of. I received that interpretation as a blessing to my soul. And as I was, I've been sitting with this sermon for a very long time, I realize I have no control over the birds and the thorns and the scorching sun and the rocks and the lack of depth of soil. I have no control over them, but I can control how I respond 
to them. But there's a difference. To the things that have been done to me, I can control how I respond. The storms that come through birds, that come through storms, uh, through thorns, through scorching sun, through rocks, the storms reveal my soil and my seeds. The storms reveal my soil and my seeds. In verse 10, that this turning point of the story where Jesus walks away and some leave and some stay, and the ones who are following Jesus, they want to know more. And Kevin asked this poignant question that I love, that I wanna bring to you. He said, the question is not so much, what soil am I? Because I feel like that's what I've struggled with before. Which one am I? But what soil will I choose to be? Not what soil am I, but what soil will I choose to be? As I look at this story, the elements that I see, the things that I see, it's an invitation perhaps that this is a dynamic soil. That the landscape of our souls and the landscape of our hearts, it's something that is alive. That the spirit, the same spirit that hovered over the Genesis creation and resulting uncreation is still alive. And she's hovering over you to midwife something new. Like we were singing, that you will reap what you have sown in tears. That God is making some things new. That God is very aware of the birds that have come to kill, steal, and destroy, and lie and divide. That God is very aware of the rocks that have been thrown against you. That God is very aware of the thorns in your life. These things have happened to us. And that this soil, perhaps it is us. Perhaps we are the soil. And it is a dynamic soil of formation and transformation. Formation and transformation. Pastor Kevin challenged us when, when he said, we have the agency to choose what soil we will become. And I cannot stop thinking about that. That we have the agency to choose what soil we can become. We have no control of the things that have happened to us, but we have control of how we respond to the birds, to the thorns, to the scorching sun, to the rocks. And he pointed out, of course, that like the text says, that Jesus is the good sower and that we can cho choose to be good soil. I love that invitation to co-create with my Jesus, with my Savior, what's happening in my life, my parable of my life, the parable of your life. The story within your story, within a larger story, a larger communal story. I love thinking that our soils are animated by God's own spirit still hovering over us. Kevin said, Jesus is always sowing and welcoming all the time. Jesus is always including and the sowing reveals the soil. That was powerful for me, that Jesus is the main active agent in your life and mine, and that he is the one seeding hope in your life, seeding healing in your life, seeding mercy in your life, seeding love in your life, that the sowing is happening by Jesus, who is our Savior. 
He knows exactly what your soil needs. So the generative words for me, I turn there, I turn and I look now at sower, seeds, soil, and roots. I move away from those birds and stones and rocks and I realize, really, every soil struggles with birds and rocks and weeds, yes or no? Like, have you ever seen a perfect soil that you never have to weed or pull weeds or never water? Like, it's not this static and stagnant soil. It is not a static and stagnant soil that we must be attentive to the rhythms of cultivation of soil. We have been in a, in a, in a place of learning ever since Indigenous Peoples Day when Armando preached and Selena gave us some California poppy seeds and lupine seeds that I just planted like a few weeks ago at my house. And we have been in this rhythm of slowing down and paying attention to the rhythms of creation and how the rhythms of creation, the story of the land, the dignity of the land, invite us into recreation of ourselves. That creator God gives us revelation on the daily through rocks and stones and soils and seeds, through ordinary things because God never speaks over our, heart, our heads, right? His word and his seeds are very accessible. So I want you to notice the words instead, sower and seeds and soil and roots. And that you would see the, this story animated by the Holy Spirit, thank you Patrick, as Jesus being the sower, he is sowing the seeds into your life that you need in this moment right now. There is pre-existing seed that's being watered right now and that I am a dynamic agent in being good soil. And roots is the other word. The implied word here, and that's not there, but the implied work here that's also not there is our rhythms of our own cultivation. Who is responsible for my spiritual formation? I am the only person responsible for my spiritual formation. I am responsible for what I seed into my life, for the rhythms that I have, and uh, this emergency sabbatical that I had, which was caused by burnout, I'm 100% responsible for having driven myself into the ground. As I slow down, I realize I have no boundaries in some places. I say yes to a lot of things that are good things, but perhaps not the good thing for me in this moment. What is motivating me to not say no? Is it my fear of rejection? Is it um, where I find my worth in the work that I do? I don't know if these things resonate in, with you and with, with your, um, uh, your calling in life. It's not just for pastors that we would find our identity um, and our self-worth in the things that we do. When I moved here to the U.S., I got always really nervous. My dad told me, you know, people are always going to ask you the first thing that Americans ask you is what do you do for a living? He was so right. We don't ask that in Nicaragua. That's not the first thing you ask. We ask, so where's your mom and dad? Or do you have family? Do you, do you have brothers and sisters, nieces and nephews? We don't ask that first. Also because 60% of the country is unemployed. And so asking that would be maybe a source of shame for someone saying, well, I don't have a job right now. But we're very defined by what we do, right? And it is good work, right? 
but to find our identity and self-worth, and that can just get so complicated and convoluted. The work here of cultivation is an invitation from the rising of the sun to the setting of the same, from the rising of the moon to the setting of the moon. The truth is that every soil will be affected by birds and thorns and sun and rocks. But every soul, every soul in this place and whoever is listening to me online right now and whoever listens to the podcast later, every soul must be actively involved in the cultivation that invites the good sower, the good seed, the soft soil, and the watering of our roots. Did you notice the word roots? That's there. Roots hold things down. Roots in depth of soil keep you going. The storms that happen in your life, you might, you might miss a few branches, a few leaves, but if you are rooted and you stay rooted, the Spirit will be faithful there. The invitation for me, I don't know if this is the same for you, is to cultivate the soil. I have agency to cultivate my soil and the seeds that Jesus wants to seed in my life as the mo at the moment. The one word that he keeps bringing up for this year is reconnection. Reconnection. To reconnect to my body, to reconnect to creator God, to reconnect to my family, to reconnect to my books. I got COVID during my sabbatical, so I was like out for a week. I was like, great, thanks, thanks. <laughs> And so I was isolated. I was kind of angry about that. I was like, well, there goes uh, my solo retreat that I was going to do. Oh, there goes the massage that I was going to get. But during that week, I reconnected with my books. I binged on some shows. Selena said to watch the show about UFOs, and it was quite amazing. And I was like, oh, my gosh. <laughs> um, and it's called, what's it called? Selena, what's it called? Oh, Selena's not here. I forgot. Encounters, encounters, yeah, I know. When I was in high school, I used to love like the paranormal. <laughs> and so I love reading a lot about that. But anyways, um, I think my, my attentiveness to the Holy Spirit also makes me curious about um, uh, supernatural activity as well. But reconnection and the soil and being slowed down to a halt, you know, getting COVID during my sabbatical was just kind of funny. Just kind of funny to slow down to a halt and go, okay, what are the cracks in my soul, right? How is the soil of my soul? Where is it painfully dry? Where is it painfully dead? Where is the water that I'm looking for? How do I reconnect with my worth, my sense of self-worth with my belovedness? And so I have been thinking about uh, that Indigenous People Sunday when Selena gave us those seeds and she just said, just throw them on the ground. You know, she said, just throw them on the ground put them on the ground, put them in the soil, and, and Mondo invited us through that sermon as well. On one of those Sundays, uh, Elizabeth uh, Hogston, who led us in worship today with Alicia, she shepherded us in a beautiful exercise of examine that again brought up the analogies, or if you were there, of a, a plant and roots and soil and leaves, and it was beautiful. If you have never done anything like that before, you didn't get a chance to join us, you should go Go back to um, the New Year's Eve service, the hello, goodbye service that Elizabeth led us in. I have my notes and I painted all the, all the plants and everything and she used those analogies to remind us to engage the deep 
an intimate and hidden work of the sower. Through ordinary holiness, through dirt, in the dirt, I've found the presence of the divine. In my dirt, I have found the presence of the divine. In communal dirt, I have found the presence of the divine. And so I've been trying to pay attention to normal and ordinary holiness like dirt and stones and watering and soils and caterpillars in my garden and the milkweed. And last, last week, Nicola reminded us that all of this happens in communion, not isolation. And so the invitation stays here. I know that in verses 11 through 20, Jesus gives um, an interpretation of uh, how the birds are like Satan and, and the cares of the world. And you can read that yourself and let it hit you and let it, uh, let it seed something in you. But I would like to give you Pastor Kevin's invitation in this story of the sower. As you look at your own sacred story, as you look at, own, at your own parable, what kind of soil will I choose to be? What kind of seeds have been given to me to care for? What things do I care for? Like today, you can probably walk out and, and know that Bert Newton, he cares about housing justice. Like that is one of his things. What kind of seeds have been, have been given to me to tend? How do I sense that I, what do I sense that I need in this season? Because seasons change. Um, I love the fall season. It's my favorite season of the year. And I've, I've, I've studied why leaves fall in the fall, and then I jump to spring because that's the next fun season. <laughs> and then I was talking to my therapist before I got sick, and she said, have you ever heard of wintering? Wintering and the wintering time when the, sea, when the, when the trees just stay put and slow down. And I know it don't make no sense for a pastor to take a month off during the busiest, one of the busiest times of the year like Advent and to slow down and to wait before the rush of things at the beginning of the year to not rush. Like, do you feel like you, need, you are rushed into the, the first of the year in January? Like, it, it, there's what, 31 days in January, but it feels like 365. Like you're supposed to be doing all these things. I've had to have my resolutions, my this, my that, my all, all my goals for life. And you start the year and you're already exhausted. And in the slowing down, the invitation to winter, I think I'm just going to do this every year, to winter and to sit with the slowness of nothingness, it's beautiful to hear the sound, the silent sound of growing things that are underground they're just roots and seeds and plants and leaves that fall like Elizabeth was telling us. Think about the things that have fallen this year. As I spent time, I did have a day of solo retreat at Mater Dolorosa and I thought about the things I want to start, stop, and continue. And it was an invitation of what kind of soil and what kind of seeds do I want to seed. So what kind of soil will I choose to be? What kind of seeds have been given to me to tend individually. How's my relationship with a good sower? Not in a legalistic way, but just how is your relationship with your Jesus? Because sometimes we're going so fast, I can't hear his voice. I don't know if it happens to you. And I need the sound of silence to just hear his voice. 
And then the last question that I would give you is, what are the spiritual practices, the daily liturgies that I can embody, that you and I can embody to cultivate the soil of our hearts, not just individually, because we're not gonna be isolationists, but communally. So this story within the story, always think personal and public, personal and communal. A liturgy is simply a fancy word for a habit, a routine, a practice. You're not behind. You're right on time. You're not behind on the year. Comparison kills community, so maybe one of your liturgies needs to be to look less at Instagram where everyone else, it feels like their life has fallen together into the perfect puzzle, and you're already feeling behind, like, oh! Does anyone else feel that way, or is it just me? But what are the spiritual practices, the habits, the routines, the practices to cultivate the soil of your heart? There's a book that I read in seminary like from front to end, and I'm not gonna say how many I did not read from beginning to end because all y'all know who've been to grad school that sometimes you're just reading to write that review or just reading to answer that, that question and write that paper, and oh my Lord, so much reading. But this book, this book I have read twice, and I'm thinking about reading it with our church, uh, maybe in the spring. Living into Community, Cultivating Practices, Practices That Sustain Us by Dr. Christine Pohl. Dr. Uh, Pohl has studied the spiritual practices of communities, and she argues that there are spiritual practices that must exist in order for people, that must exist for people to build community. And when these practices are present, they build up community, and when they're absent, they tear down community. And it is so deep and so accessible and so fascinating and so simple that you read and you're like, oh, I should have known that. Why didn't I think of that? And so I have read this, and I encourage anyone to read it who is, um, so anybody who cares about, like, Nicola was saying last week, sometimes we care more about church than about cultivating community. This book will invite you to cultivate community, beginning with your soul and also extending to um, the people around you. She says um, that practices that shatter community, practices that shatter community and make life together unhappy and sometimes even toxic or dangerous exist in, in, in every community. So there's practices that happen all the time that make life together unhappy, dangerous, or even toxic. She says in her introduction, when we engage, for example, in betrayal, deception, grumbling, I was like, oh, why you gotta be like that, Christine? When we engage in betrayal, deception, grumbling, envy, exclusion. We violate connection among us. So the invitation is not only for us to think, I would like to be good soil, so when I go into the school district, so I go into my job, so when I sit with um, a student or uh, my client, if I'm a therapist, or if I'm a mom or dad, or I, like Mike goes to sing to people in hospice care, when I enter, I am good soil. And I can bring in good soil when my presence enters that place. But also think of us as a communal soil. It's fascinating to me that she says that these practices, the deformation of those practices by people who are dysfunctional, codependent, or passive aggressive, tear down community. 
Somebody say, ouch. I was like, dang it, Dr. Paul. That the deformation of practices tear down community. But instead, she goes chapter by chapter. She offers spiritual practices that she has studied that when repeated over and over, over a period of time, habitually, they cultivate good soil and good community. These practices are first initiated in our souls as a response to God's grace. So again, there's nothing that we can fabricate and create to make good soil. But when we have a relationship with God and we respond to Creator, when we have a relationship with uh, Messiah Jesus, it is a response to the grace that we have experienced in our lives. I don't have control of the things that have happened to me, but I have control over how I respond to others. Pastor Kevin said, um, my son is not here right now, so I can say this. Well, maybe I can, I don't know. I, anyways, Pastor Kevin said in his story, you can't be a follower of Jesus and raise your hands at church on a Sunday and be a donkey during the week. Why do I say donkey? Funny story. My Sunday, side story, my son one time was trying to encourage me and saying that I had done a really good job at preaching. He said, Mom, you're a bad donkey preacher. <laughs> I said, what? <laughs> what do you mean bad donkey preacher? And he's like, well, you know I can't say the word, bad preacher, but you're a bad donkey preacher. <laughs> Pastor Kevin said, you can't be a follower of Jesus on a Sunday and be... <laughs> a donkey Monday through Saturday. That the grace that we had been given, that the soil of God's grace and God's love should create such transformation in our lives that when people are near us, they're like, this person has been with Jesus. There's just no way, no other way that we can explain to be able to live with the grace that has been given to us. And so I love that these spiritual practices, I hope don't sound like I'm pushing you to... Um, not trying to coerce you, like these are the things that you need to do, but that it is a response to God's grace. That's your starting point. And it is intimately connected to the particularities of your sacred story. And every story in this church is important, and every story is different. Thanks be to God. But that my story and how I tell, how I respond to God's grace that has been shown to us by Jesus. There is a cultivation of divine grace and steady human effort. It's divine grace and steady human effort. The cultivation of our soil is divine grace and steady human effort. Because every good soil is gonna deal with birds. Every good soil is gonna deal with rocks. But divine grace and steady human effort, Dr. Paul says, is the divine soil in us and the human soil in us. So in light of God's grace, the practices that cultivate community, that build it up instead of tearing it down, which is the opposite of what I just read to you, is hospitality. <gasps> Serena's like, yes, that's what I've been saying all along. Hospitality, which has nothing to do with like just serving tea, okay? Hospitality, making and keeping promises Truthfulness, gratitude, Sabbath keeping, 
Oh, I'll say that loud. Sabbath, no, but seriously, Sabbath keeping. How a community cultivates, listen, we, we all have come from places where we have been uh, coerced to serve to death. We don't want that here in this church. Um, testimonio. I was so happy to hear that, that she said testimonio. And every Sunday we try to bring a testimonio to you to decenter us as clergy, but that, that the testimonials of the people as how we see their response to God's grace in their life and the ongoing developing of our stories, right? Discernment is a practice. Forgiveness, worship, healing among others. So there's more. If you want to read this book, if you want to read it with me, let me know. Maybe we can do it together in the spring. So as we look back at this story, no sé qué hora es, I don't know what time. Oh, I see the time. Um, as we look back at this story, as you think back to the invitation, what kind of soil do I want to be? What kind of seeds do I need in the season? What's my relationship with the soil right now? You're not behind, you're right on time. Perhaps it may mean that you take some time alone under a tree somewhere, watch Elizabeth's Hello Goodbye New Year service. If you need a template of examine, to examine where your soul has been, where your body has been, but I hope that you hear from me today. Nothing but love from me today. My argument is that we must be rooted and grounded in the soil of God's unfailing love for us. We must be rooted and grounded in the soil of God's unfailing love for us. And for me, the roots that I need to survive, to, just, to, just to make it, is I need to be rooted in my belovedness my worthiness and my enoughness that is not connected to my work, to my productivity, to my performance, and I wonder if that resonates with you too. So my prayer for us today, individually and also collectively, as we are all creating the soil, it's not just the responsibility of the pastors, and how we lead, how we serve, and how we volunteer, not just how we preach, May this community, individually and collectively, be rooted and grounded in the soil of God's unfailing love for us. And may you be rooted in your belovedness, in your worthiness, and in your enoughness. I pray that the Holy Spirit would just midwife this soil, that this soil would be dynamic in your life. I don't want to pretend what's going on in your life or to know what's going on in your life, but I pray that the Holy Spirit would just hover as a midwife over you as she reminds you sometimes to just slow down and breathe. You're not behind. You're right on time. You're not too much. You're not not enough. I pray that the Spirit would show you what are the seeds that Jesus wasn't to sow into your life right now, and what pre-existing seeds need to be watered so that your roots can grow deeper, that you would have a depth of soil, and that you would be rooted in your belovedness, in your worthiness, and your enoughness. For great is God's love for you. He loves you, God loves you with an everlasting love, and God is drawing you with loving kindness. God, I thank you for this moment. 
when you remind us that we are writing a story with you, when you recenter us and remind me that you are the only great sower, that you're the one with good seed, and it is an invitation for me to be good soil. God, I pray that you would illuminate those things as we're going about our day and going about our life and going about going to therapy or going about being in community, that you would show us those things that have tried to take the life out of us and away from us, whether it's this, um, the thorns, the weeds that choke us, that have a stronghold, um, the undercurrents of fear, fear of rejection, the birds that have come to still kill and destroy perhaps what you have seated in us. God, midwife us so that the soil of our lives would reflect the grace that has been given to us. And I pray for every person in this moment and that you would meet them with your grace. God, that you would meet them with your grace and that they would be planted, planted in your love. And I ask all these things in your name, Jesus. Amen and amen.